Presidents matter, and not just in a court of law. Today, we're looking at a precedent set by President Obama and one recently upheld by President Trump. This is the Politicast. Welcome into the Politicast, the political talk podcast that takes a look at politics here in the United States and around the world through a lens of common sense. I, as always, am your host, Matt Young. Going into the weekend, President Trump's executive order that implemented a temporary halt to immigration was dealt a hard blow. The ruling of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals was a ruling which the court has no power to enforce, but unfortunately, it's being followed anyway. So let's take a look at the facts. So the first thing I want to look at here is a U.S. Code, Title VIII, Section 1182, Subsection F. And it, and it deals with and, the, with, and here's what the title says, Suspension of Entry or Imposition of Restrictions by President. So um, this is something that I first fell, found, found, sorry I can't speak, uh, on lawfareblog.com. They, they quote this, but I'm pulling this, uh, and my sources down below will we'll mention this, from law.cornell.edu, and it's pulling it from the U.S. Code text. Um, and it says, quote, Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States will be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may by proclamation and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens or as immigrants or non-immigrants, or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. So, so reading that, that, that sounds pretty cut and dry, at least to me it does, and it's pretty clear that, that President Trump has the power to do what, uh, what his executive order uh, what it what it what it stated, uh, basically. Uh, that's the short of things. And so, uh, first, um, my, my claim that the court has no power to enforce it is actually correct. Uh, the court is actually usurping power and and trying to to hold themselves up as look look at how mighty we are, how smart we are. We can defend. We can defend. We can go against the president. Actually, you you really can't. And this executive order should be followed, despite what the court said. Um, late Thursday afternoon. But but that's just one nail in the coffin. And, and during the course of this episode, we're going to go through uh, several nails in the coffin as to why uh, the court is definitely outside of his jurisdiction here. So let's go back to where I found this on uh, lawfareblog.com. Um, and they, they quote uh, that, quote, in the entire opinion, the panel did not bother to even cite the statute which forms the principal statutory basis for the executive order. And I think this is very important and interesting to note. They left out something that, that is very important to this debate of whether this uh, executive order is constitutional or not. They left it out purposefully, and that's really disconcerting because it's very easy to find. You Google it, like, does, can Trump do this? I, I did a Google search, can President Trump do it? And I found uh, this even before I found it on lawfareblog.com. So it's not that difficult to find. Anybody has access to this. All they have to do is go and read it, and they realize, yeah, President Trump has the power to do that. And that doesn't mean people aren't going to disagree with him. Or it doesn't mean people aren't, aren't going to like it. But he has the power to do it, whether you like it or not. So, um, so, so that's something we need to keep in mind. And it's really interesting that the, the court, uh, didn't even bother to, to cite it. They, they just left it out purposefully because it does not fit their narrative. And, and that's very disconcerting. 
that the court is is trying to act all high and mighty like they are the uh, they are define they are the defining factor here and I guess in a sense they are the defining factor but they're a dishonest defining factor <laughs> to put it that way so um so I guess that's like I said that's another that's, that's one nail in the coffin another nail in the coffin is like they did they didn't uh, they didn't even cite it they didn't even bother to bring it up um, now if we had a time machine, we could go back to December of 2015 and to put another nail in the coffin. PolitiFact reports that uh, Obama signed a law that, quote, contains provisions that restrict travel to the United States for people who lived in or visited Iran, Iraq, Sudan, or Syria since March of 2011. Again, this is quoted directly off PolitiFact's website. It goes on to say they must have a visa to enter the United States. They can't use what is known as the Visa Waiver Program, which allows a 90-day visit or a 90-day U.S. visits to other foreign visitors. The law was soon expanded by Obama's Department of Homeland Security to cover Libya, Somalia, and Yemen. They were identified in the agency's announcement as "quote countries of concern," a phrase that was used in the law. So, President Obama did pretty much the exact same thing that President Trump is now doing. He, President Obama set this precedent, and now the precedent is causing outrage, especially by the people who loved President Obama. And that doesn't make much sense at all. It's really actually quite uh, befuddling. And so, but but there are two main differences between uh, what what President Obama said and what President Trump's executive order says. So I want to point those out to you now. In, in interest of being fair. Number one, these are two different sides of the political spectrum. We've got President Obama and President Trump. So when one side does it, President Obama, they're praised. Oh, it was such a great move. When President Trump uh, has done it, he's been admonished, which is, uh, which is very saddening. I mean, uh, heaven forbid that we actually... Um, we actually look at things in a fair and unbiased manner, not. Uh, and so that's that's the first that's the first difference. Um, and yeah, that's that's more of a joke than anything. But but it's true. It, it's very very true. Unfortunately, the second difference is uh, is that um, President Trump in several of his speeches has referred to these places as quote hotbeds of terror, uh, and a lot of other people have taken that to mean that, that these are the most dangerous places and. And, and they, they may or may not be. I, I really don't know. But the, the, the main difference is President Trump has referred uh, to these places as hotbeds of terror. And uh, President Obama only referred to them as countries of concern. So uh, two different warnings there. However, I do want to point out this. Uh, President Obama signed the, the, this law in December of 2015. And it reached back all the way to March of 2011. Well, if you're going to go from March 2011, that's several years. If you're going to go from 2015 to now, that's you know a year and a half, two years, somewhere in there. Um, so it's reasonable to assume that, that things have probably gotten worse. Uh, and that's just giving the benefit of the doubt uh, as far as wording. But the wording really doesn't matter. They're, they're pretty much both the, the same concept. Um, so it's, it's really, it's like, like I said, that's, that's another, it's the third nail in the coffin as far as uh, as far as precedents, the precedent had been set and now it is being overturned. And like I said, the court didn't even have the power to overturn it. Moving on, uh, one of the, uh, one of the sources cited 
by uh, lawfareblog.com is a tweet by a man named Eric Posner. Now, Eric Posner is a um, a uh, professor um, at uh, Chicago, or the University of Chicago. He's a lawyer. And he, he shared this image you know, that I'm going to quote here in a minute that um, makes some interesting facts, but it also provides a couple more nails in the coffin as far as um, the court's ruling and, and the, the narrative that is, that is being pushed against President Trump's uh, executive action. So the image uh, says, quote, The states argue that the executive order violates the establishment and equal protection clauses because it was intended to disfavor Muslims. Okay, that's strike number one, um, because as we'll soon learn, uh, the word Muslim or, or Muslim ban is not mentioned even once inside this executive order. Strike number one. Um, and then it goes on to say, in support of this argument, the states have offered evidence of numerous statements by the president about his intent to implement a quote-unquote Muslim ban. And in the image here, the, the Muslim ban is in quotes. Okay, so so that's the strike number two for this um, for this uh, image here for this phrase, because um, President Trump did not uh, refer to a Muslim ban a a as this as this guy Eric Posner would like for you to believe, um, or as the court would like for you to believe. He always referred to it as a temporary halt to Muslim immigration to vet out radical Islamic terrorists. Uh, and radical Islamic terrorists are different from your average Muslim. There, there is a huge difference that needs uh, to be made. Uh, but the problem is that the mainstream media point or paints them them to all be the same. They're either all radical or they're all peaceful, and they're not. Uh, just as there are, are are Christians that are peaceful, and there are some Christians that have gone off the deep end. You know, you can't paint us all the same. So, um. The mainstream media, who claims to be so uh, welcoming and so accepting, is the one are, are the ones pushing this narrative that they're either all one side of the spectrum or they're all the other side of the spectrum, and so, yeah, that kind of that kind of blows up in their face there a little bit. But uh, but but it goes on to say, as well as evidence they claim suggests the executive order was intended to be that ban. Well, it wasn't, uh, as we'll soon see. But but he goes on to say, uh, including sections five B and five E of the order. It is well established that evidence uh, of purpose beyond the face of the challenged law may be considered in evaluating establishment and equal protection cause clause claims. So he wanted us to look at sections 5B and 5E of President Trump's executive order. So we're going to do exactly that now. So sections 5B and 5E. Here is 5B. Upon the resumption of United States Refugee Emission Program emit, or uh, Emission Program Emissions, that's USRAP, the Secretary of State, in consultation with the Secretary of Homeland Security, is further directed to make changes to the extent permitted by law to prioritize refugee claims made by individuals on the basis of religious-based uh, persecution, provided that the religion of the individual is a minority religion in the United in the individual's country of nationality. Where necessary and appropriate, the Secretaries of State and Homeland Security shall recommend legislation to the President that would assist in such prioritization. Okay, so basically what this says is, hey, if anybody is being persecuted based on religion in their country and they're a minority and that's why they're being persecuted, we want to see if we can expedite that process because we want to take care of people. Now, this is contrary to what a lot of people have said about Trump. He said he doesn't want to take care of people. 
And he doesn't want to do that. He, he just wants to leave him out in the cold. And, and this flies in your face. If you're one of those people that has argued that President Trump does not want to take care of people, read this. He, he, he wants to take care of people, but he's, he's saying, I want to take care of people, especially if they're being, uh, um, if they're being persecuted based on their religion. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, freedom of religion is something that we hold um, uh, pretty near and dear to our hearts in this country of America. It's, it's one of the freedoms that we talk about pretty regularly. And, uh, and I personally think it's very important, as, as do many other people uh, who are talking about the very same issues that I'm talking about here. It's very important. So Trump is just reaffirming that that's important and that, that we do want to take care of people, especially when they're going through that. Um, the other thing to, to point out here, it says, to the extent permitted by law. Uh, well, everybody is busy wanting to talk about how Trump is circum circumventing the law. He's trying to go outside of the law, outside of his power. He's not. It makes the makes the note here, to the extent permitted by law, like, hey, we realize that, that, that we're under the law, too. But, of course, a lot of people want, want to make it out to be that, that, you know, Trump thinks he's above the law. No, especially that little line just shows that he doesn't think that. So uh, that, that blows up in your face. That's another uh, nail in the coffin. Uh, so, yeah, it's a standard boilerplate stuff. Um, and then we'll go on to, to um, Section 5E. And, and there's a lot of stuff in here that I want to focus on that's really important. This, this section is, is, is the important part. And, and really, once we read it, uh, you'll, you, I think you'll see that, um, that Eric Posner had quite some audacity asking people to look at these clauses because both of these clauses almost entirely refute his, his argument. Um, it's, it's quite hilarious. Um, so 5E says, Notwithstanding the temporary suspension imposed pursuant to subsection A of this section, the Secretaries of State and Homeland Security may jointly determine to admit individuals to the United States as refugees on a case-by-case -case basis in their discretion, but only so long as they determine that the admission of such individuals as refugees is in the national interest, including when the person is a religious minority in his country of nationality facing religious persecution when admitting the person would enable the United States to confirm to its conduct to a pre-existing international agreement or when the person is already in transit and denying admission would cause undue hardship and it would not pose a risk to the security or welfare of the United States. So so there was a lot there that, that I'm going to stop and, and go over. I wanted to get it all read so you could hear all of it. And now I'm going to go back and look at the, the, the bits. I've got several bits highlighted here. I'm going to go, by, go back and look at them uh, bit by bit. So first, uh, when this was reported, when it was rolled out, we heard... That, that it was a total shutdown of immigration. Nobody was being let in from these countries. Uh, yet this uh, line where it says case on a case-by-case -case basis in their discretion, that flies in the face of anybody that reported that because it shows that it wasn't it wasn't a total shutdown from these countries. It was it was hey, here's what here's what we're saying. You need to do this, but but we do realize that that there could be a few cases that. Um, are contrary to what we're saying that, that, that makes sense. So do this on a case-by-case -case basis and let the Border Patrol, the Border Guards, do this in their discretion. So that's really important to keep in mind. Um, but then it goes on to say, uh, but you have to determine that the admission of such individuals as refugees is in the national interest. 
Now, that should really go without saying. I mean, for any government to do anything purposefully that is not in the interest of their people, I think that that, that, that gives serious reason to question the actions of that government. So, duh, you know, state governments are going to do um, what is in the best interest of their people, or at least you hope they would. And, and so I, it doesn't make sense that our government would do anything that is not in the best interest of the people. And of course, we've seen that they that they have that there have been cases where they have done that. But but it should go without saying that that the the government should should do what is in the best interest of their people. So nitpicking over that statement is is really quite uh quite immature. And then it goes on to say uh, if the person is a religious minority in his country of nationality facing religious persecution, like like it, like it mentioned in in five B, the same language that hey we want to expedite that because we know that that they're going through persecution. Um, it also says uh, that the person if the person would enable the United States to conform to its con or conform its conduct to a pre existing international agreement. Uh, so, um, so it's basically saying, hey, if we already have this agreement, we're gonna not just gonna sweep it under the rug. We're gonna deal with it. We'll address it. Um, but then here's the really interesting part, and I think this is the the most interesting part of this uh, of this section to me. It says, or when the person is already in transit and denying admission would cause undue hardship. So we heard when this was first reported that, that thousands and thousands of people were held up at airports and other points of entry into the United States. And we heard that, that they were delayed for days and, and in some, some, some articles reported that they would be held up for weeks. Now, now going back and looking at the numbers, we know that it was 109 people and, and that within two to three days, um, there was only about a dozen or maybe two dozen of those 109 people still um, uh, being held up for questioning, and that the, the, they were they were released. Um, the ones that were found not to not to be uh, up to any mischief um, were were allowed entry within uh, a day or two after that period. So, so that that bit. Um, so number one, like going back to the numbers, we know that 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 is. Uh, that that is not the case. It was not undue hardship, um, but but people were saying that well, everybody's being held up, and, and and so when you go back and you look at the fact though that it was a case by case basis, and and the person was already in transit, then yeah, we dealt with that, and that's what uh, was happened. But the media, everybody, everybody else was reporting that it, it wasn't that, and that's again, you know, go back to the dishonesty that's out there i know i've talked about that a lot lately the dishonesty is is unreal how rampant it is so again again that's another nail in the coffin that for anybody that they reported that it was a total shutdown and that's why people were held up that flies in your face in fact it's now we now know that what caused that massive buildup of these thousands and thousands of people at the airport was a an airline's software computer glitch, and as someone uh, myself who who works in that industry, I've been on the receiving end of a glitch like that where it it messed me up uh, or messed up my schedule, and and I've also been on the end that accidentally uh, created that glitch, and 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 so I know full well the power of of that and what can happen, and I and, I, and it's and, and for anybody that has been through that, it'll teach you real quick. That you need to make sure that before you deploy any piece of software, whether it's a, a program or a, or a website or anything, 
uh, before you deploy any code like that, you need to make sure that it that it works uh, in its intended intended manner. So, yeah, that and that wasn't reported. That was not uh, that was not reported. So, yeah, <laughs> that's another nail in the coffin. So, so here is is what it all boils down to. The court did not have any precedent set for a case like this. Uh, this is the first time that a ruling like this has ever been issued. But it is important to note that courts do traditionally side with the president on issues like this. And uh, it's not the case here. And I, I have a gut feeling, uh, and I could be wrong about this, but you know, leading up to President Trump's uh, election, leading up to election night, uh, a lot of people were saying, if he's elected, we're not going to work with him. Period. We're not going to work with him. The Democrats said it. Uh, Hillary Clinton said it. Uh, a lot of a lot of the uh, people who who just didn't want Trump, who a lot of people didn't want Trump or Hillary, but a lot of people who who were in that kind of section said they weren't going to work with him. So I have a gut feeling that, that this judge uh, may be one of those people, and that may be why um, this ruling has been stated in such a way. Uh, but it is also, again, important to note that if this goes to the Supreme Court, it's likely they will rule in Trump's favor and the ban, or, or the temporary halt to immigration, uh, will be reinstated. So that's on the court side, but what about uh, what about on Trump's side? Well, President Trump can do what he did. Uh, we learned that from the, uh, from the U.S. Code. And uh, so for anybody that has, that has been really concerned of, can he do that? Can he, can he really do that? Well, yeah, yeah, he really, he really can do that, so... so. Yeah. Uh, and for the people uh, who, who have been really concerned and have expressed concern that, that Trump has too much power, well, President Obama did the exact same thing. And President Obama had just as much power as President Trump has. So where were you then? Why weren't you upset when President Obama had this much power? And again, like I said at the beginning, precedents really do matter. Obama was the one that set this precedent. His order was almost identical. So it begs the question, why is President uh, Trump being so viciously attacked for it, especially by the people who loved Obama? It really doesn't make sense. Then again, a lot of the politics that we see nowadays don't make sense. So uh, that's it. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Politicast. I, I thank you for listening, and I do hope you enjoyed it and learned something. And I hope you'll, you'll come back and listen to us next time as well as check out our articles that we publish here on the website and on Apple News. And while I'm uh, on that topic, let's talk about uh, where else you can find us. You can subscribe to the RSS feed on the website. That is thepoliticast.com. There's a link to that down below. You can uh, listen to us on SoundCloud. The podcast is also on iTunes. We put out Twitter posts, uh, so we'll let you know when, when, every, uh, when every episode or article uh, goes live. Like I mentioned, we're on uh, Apple News. And also, if you would sol- like to uh, support what I'm doing here, you can head on over to the Politicast Patreon page. That's the Politicast dot, or that is the Patreon.com forward slash ThePoliticast. You can give us a dollar amount of your choosing to support this work, and, and you'll also get free cool little tidbits and uh, and special prizes for being a patron. So if that is something that sounds awesome and really cool to you, go check it out over there. Like I said, that's it, and thanks for listening. <laughs>